Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Super excited for y'all joining us today. And uh, I think I think we may have a new friend joining us at the table. Her name is Amber Ray. She is coming to us from Brooklyn, America, the heart of Brooklyn today. Uh, her book, Choose Wonder Over Worry. I mean... That is good, true, and beautiful to a T. Uh, I finished this book not long ago, and I can tell you guys she is a needed voice in the world today. She is one of us, and uh, I am super grateful to have her at the table and at the conversation today. So, Amber, welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm super excited to be sitting at the table with you, too. So, where do we begin? When you, if people, you know, if they're not familiar with you and your work in the world, um, how do you introduce yourself? Good question. I am a artist, author, and speaker. And really my work is about our world of emotions and what makes us tick, what holds us back, what propels us forward, what our feelings are trying to tell us and how we can really have the the courage and the compassion to follow the path that's true for us. That's really you know, the path that I've been dedicated to myself mm. as a as a creative. And it's the permission slip I hope to hand everyone else. Mm, beautiful. When, when did the awareness enter? Like, I, I feel like a lot of us, we get to this conversation of um, becoming aware, in, interacting mm. with those emotions. What are they telling us? When, when did this arise, I guess, in your story? Yeah, you know, I think it's there's been many moments that were inflection points for me, though I think one of the first was when my father died, mm. and he book. was, it's in the book, yeah, and he was a brilliant artist, creative businessman, you know, my mom said he was one of the most brilliant people she had ever met, and yet he was not facing his demons and he really let his own addictions and the sex drugs rock and roll era really get the best of him mm. and so you know the absence of him and and his passing a brought so many feelings to the surface for me as a teenager that I was learning how to understand and navigate and i you know i feel like his he planted a seed in me of this curiosity around, you know, I remember this moment when I was 12 um, and got the news of his death and he'd actually gotten in a car accident nine years prior and never regained full consciousness. So Whoa. when he passed, it was actually like tremendous relief that he could now rest in peace, but then followed by this anger that he had died with his gift still inside. Wow. And that became this, this rallying cry for me in a way that I wanted to fully live and express myself. And so, you know, I feel like I got a flicker of it in my, my teen years, but it wasn't really until my, my early twenties when I was following, you know, what I thought the traditional path of success was rising the ranks in Silicon Valley in the tech startup world and really feeling like a shadow of myself, um, and popping Adderall to get more done. And like, actually in a way, you know, I had a, I had a full breakdown moment where I realized, mm -hmm. you know, this looks different than my dad. Cause you know, he, he was creative in music and it looks different, but still this is my own sort of not facing myself. Yeah. And, and so it was in that breakdown that I, that I really had the breakthrough of, of, wanting to begin to understand, um, the inner world and really go on that journey within. 
Reminds me of the Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, most men and women go to their graves with their music still in them. Mm. Um, and uh, that was that was a shifting quote for me. Like as I, as I reflect and hear your story, mine was 2006 when I, I heard that quote of most men and women go to their graves with their music still in them. And to this day, it's one of those like top five shifters for me of um, awakening to the beauty and the possibility um, that surrounds us as we arise out of that shadow self um, Mm -hmm. and start to, um, I guess, mold or, or intertwine the inner and outer worlds, if you will. Um, Absolutely. And so I think that's a good riff here off of your book. When you talk about um, how many people you've met that are like, hey, I've got the job that I thought I wanted, and yet something's still missing. Same experience for you in Silicon Valley. What was that like? I mean, when, how did you, the Adderall, the awakening, tell me about um, just saying, you know what, I've, I've, I followed the map that I was given, and yet satisfaction and fulfillment and peace and joy and wonder are not at hand. Yeah. For me, it was this overwhelming sense of, emptiness that I felt inside of me and, you know, doing everything I thought I was supposed to do, which realizing, you know, now I know I was really seeking validation and approval and I was looking for it outside of me. And so I thought if I locked the big job or made a certain amount of money, then I would be loved and approved of and, you know, my life would be complete. Mm. Of course, it was nothing like that. And it was, yeah, just this this sense of the, the what actually came to me. I remember the moment when I was writing it. I wrote in my journal, this is not your life. This is someone else's life. And it's time to discover who you truly are. And it was around this time, actually, that I, I found this letter that my dad had written me and when I was an infant. And I had never come across it before. And in the letter, he said, you know, first he said, listen to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> My mom liked that part. And then he said, you know, no matter what, live the truth of who you are, not who others want you to be. Mm-hmm. And that just like hit me in the gut so deeply because, you know, that's that's what I wanted to do. And I had no idea what that looked like. I didn't know who I was, what my truth was. I didn't know. I couldn't even begin to fathom. I just knew, you know, who I thought everyone wanted me to be. But I decided, well, you know, it's about time that I begin Mm -hmm. the quest of uncovering and figuring that out. And so that really set forth a whole journey. I ended up uh, leaving my job in tech, selling all my belongings and and booking a flight to New York City where I had never been before, but just felt this call to go. And it was really, um, you know, the hero's journey or the heroine's journey where that call to adventure and I couldn't, and I didn't even know, I hadn't heard of the hero's journey and I didn't even know that's what I was doing, (laughs) but I knew there was this deep call to adventure that I couldn't shake. That was like waking me up in my dreams. That was just that whisper that was repeating over and over and had become a loud scream. And it felt Mm. like, you know, it's now or never, are you going to go? And, um, you know, I think that the pain of the life I was living that I thought that I wanted had become strong enough that I felt like anything else would be better. That's right. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, and I think one of your, um, I saw a presentation of yours not long ago and you had this, um, little space in there where you talked about the keys of wonder 
mm. and like lear- learning the keys of wonder to basically unlock that truth within us in the heart space, soul space, whatever word choice you may use. Um, hold my hand on what you're talking about with the keys of wonder and kind of learning how to turn them or relearning how to turn them. Because I think you you revisit your childhood a lot and go, man, I was full of exploration and wonder and, and everything. I was curious about everything. I would love yeah. to hear how you talk about um, those key, the, the keys of wonder. Yeah, well, we, we all come into this world with this sense of curiosity and wonder, this innate sense of curiosity and wonder, discover, adventure, anything is possible. The world is my oyster. And then suddenly that begins to shift. And, you know, we're our, as a culture, we, we socialize and we condition our people to worry. And that, you know, you can see that in um, our education system. You can see that in the beliefs that we inherit of who, who we think we're supposed to be from family or communities or even just from culture. The advertising space is all built on tapping into people's insecurities to sell things like, you know, so much of our world is designed around um it's very fear and worry based. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that sense of wonder shifts into worry. And not only that, but our brain is actually wired to worry because we've evolved as a species and worry. Lizard brain, you know, and it's, it's, you can't so often like we want, maybe we want to make worry and fear bad, but truly they are trying to protect us and keep us safe from danger. But the problem is, is our brain hasn't evolved with modern society. And so it's like all this, all the cards are sort of stacked against us. And what used to be that, what used to be the tiger in the bush is now an email you didn't want to get. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Totally. Or like a deadline that's coming up. Oh my God. You know, life is over. So, um, I, I love that. So, the realization for me was that I, I kept looking outside of myself for answers. And I realized that actually in my pocket, I was hiding the key or holding the key all along. Mm. And, you know, I, I, in this sense of worry, I felt like I had put myself in this cage and I was looking for someone or something to take me out of it when really all I had to do was turn the key and walk out wow. and, you know, and turning that key and walking out, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really begins with questioning the stories that, or for me, it was questioning the stories I was telling myself about myself and questioning, you know, what success even means. And if the definition I've been buying into is serving me and questioning, you know, whether it's just the style, like where culture of work is and like, whether or not I just started questioning everything. And in that questioning, you know, you ask questions and you open the door for answers. And I started to discover, um, different answers that I could play and experiment with. And, and those really became the foundation for a whole new way of living. Well, yeah, I think C.S. Lewis, theologian, said the gates of hell are locked from the inside, um, mm. which rang so true to me, you know, like for, and for you to say the key was in my pocket all along. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, okay, let's talk about. And can, I, can I build on that a let's little? Let's go. Let's go. Because I, I think so, I hear that truth love- train coming. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, we think maybe that job has the key. We think that relationship Mm. with that perfect person on paper holds the key. We think that a certain amount of money in our bank account holds the key. Like we we look outside of us for the key to our happiness, truth, success, potential, whatever you want to call it, when really like, no, 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 it's in our pocket. Mm. Yeah, which even connects another dot of something I think I heard Tony Robbins say yesterday was like, you you have to learn – 
how to exchange expectation for adoration and like mm. the, the the moment where we quit putting everything on you know the next friend the next relationship the next job and shift into that space of gratitude wonder mm-hmm. awe as you would say um i mean if you want to shift your life immediately i think this is a beautiful point for all of our listeners to hear if you want to shift your life immediately start replacing expectation with adoration Start, I love that. Stop, stop, start replacing expectation with wonder and awe. And, and then the world of possibility, um, it's, like it, it's like it just multiplies. Um, and I think that's exactly kind of what you're getting at. What I wanted to chat through on that last little bit that you just shared with us, there was a part in the book where you were talking about stories, uh, stories that serve us and stories that hold us back. Mm-hmm. And... I've heard it before, but I loved the like two circle diagram with the middle, your myth in the middle. I loved that. And that's kind of hard for me to explain verbally. Um, But hold my hand on stories that serve us versus the stories that hold us back. And then how you kind of talk through, hey, there's a story and you think something happened and then you, you know, then you make it into something. And then in that, you've just created your myth of what that story is. Totally. So us as humans, we're, we're meeting making machines. So we're always looking for meaning. And there's always what happens in our life. You know, maybe a relationship ends, a project doesn't work out, something fails. Like there's what happens and then there's what we make it mean. And the intersection of those two things becomes the myth we tell ourselves and who we become and what we think we're capable of. So let's say that like, you know, I once had a mentor tell me that no one cared about my story. And okay, so a mentor told me no one cares about my story. And what I made that mean is I am not worthy. Mm. I am not good enough. And, you know, those two are very different things, but we're always gathering and pulling meaning from any situation or like someone didn't reply to my email in 48 hours, like super basic. Like I can make that mean they're not interested in something that's wrong with me. And so it's, it's, it's increasing the amount of space between what happens in our lives and the meaning we attribute to what happens. Mm -hmm. And that space that we create is, is, you know, what creates our life. And so that's, that's really the notion of how our lives become stories. And, you know, we can have like, I had a relationship end in my early twenties that was so heartbreaking. And I thought maybe I'm not worthy of love and something, you know, um, men I love will leave me. And I had all these, all these stories and, you know, one thing can happen and that story can be our life for, you know, for 10 years, we can, create a story that becomes the life that we live versus, you know, that was a relationship. It ended. Let me feel the feelings of grief that are associated with that. And once I move through that, you know, open up to what is next and what is possible. Instead, if we hold on and grip to that story, then that becomes the life that we create. Yeah. 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 I, it's, this is a, this is a beautiful exercise. I want to take people through my business with and just really, digging down to is, is this myth or is this true? Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times, and I think you write in the book about worry being a blocking device. Mm. Um, can worry block us of seeing the myth? Like hold my hand on that. Cause I thought that was a great point in your book about 
worry actually becoming this like blocking device of what is true? Yeah. So I, just for a little bit more context, I bring to life worry and wonder in the book as these two characters inside of our head. So worry is that inner critic, that voice of, am I good enough? What will they think of me? Who am I to do this? And, you know, just all of the sort of limiting questions or blocks that really stifle and paralyze us from moving forward. And wonder is that curious inner guide that both questions worries, disempowering narratives, and also encourages us to move in the direction of what feels aligned and true. And so, you know, of course, worry can be a blocking device because it's so much easier to stay stuck in like, oh, it might not work out or I'm not good enough for this or, you know, I might fail and then people will judge me. And so it's, it's, I'm just going to stay stuck in that line of thinking versus having the courage to wonder like, is that actually true? And is that story I'm telling myself serving me? And not only that, but if it's not true, then what am I going to do about it? Mm. And that's the scary part is the actual, what am I going to do about it? Am I actually going to put myself out there and face possible rejection and face possible failure and, you know, allow myself to truly be seen and vulnerable? Oh no, I could never do that. And so it's so much easier to buy into our limiting stories of worry than to have the the courage to really step out and be in wonder. And so that's where you talk about the three C's. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's riff on the three C's. So when you are having those narratives in your head uh, and you want to embrace the vulnerability uh, and the courage to step out there, um, talk me through the three C's. Yeah. So I, I love the three C's. I think of them as wonder sidekicks. And so, let's go. you know, that's good. <laughs> so the first, you know, curiosity, curiosity is the part of us that, you know, maybe something feels off center or we're telling ourselves a story over and over again. And we're feeling some level of like feeling suffering and trapped in our lives. And curiosity is the part of us that's like, Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder where that's coming from. And it's just the part of us that it will pause and get curious enough to set, to wonder where what we're telling ourselves is coming from and if it's actually true. And then compassion is the part of us that knows that we're human, knows we're doing the best that we can, knows that, you know, things might not go how we want, but it's okay because this is the journey of life. And compassion is the part of us that just really encourages us encourages us that it's okay if you've been telling yourself some story for years that's not serving you you know like yeah. let, let's just let's have a let's have a hug yeah. and, let's, and let's move through this and then of course the last one is courage and courage is you know yes that over there seems really uncomfortable and I really don't want to go there and I'd really rather stay you know, safe exactly where I am, but you know what? We're going to feel the fears. We're going to face the fears and we're going to go there anyway. And you know, the point of all of this is not to become fearless because I don't believe in fearlessness. Mm -hmm. Fear is, you know, it's a part of being human and who we are, but courage shows up in the face of fear and says, we're going to walk in that direction and we're going to go toward it and we're going to face it together hand in hand. And I love one of my favorite lines of the book, big highlighter circled it on the page is when you said that fear means two things one mm. one you care and two you're on the verge of growth yes um, I, I I love that like in a way um, fear fear can be like oh you're on the right path like if you can if you can uh, listen to it in its appropriate way it very well may be um, a light, a sign, 
a, uh, a, a guiding light to go, hey, you're onto something here, and just start taking your steps forward. And I love that just the fact that fear shows up and it means you care. That was a great part for me in your book. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I mean, growth is uncomfortable. Yeah. Doing anything meaningful and new and novel and trying something for the first time and going outside your comfort zone and going after the thing you say that you truly want, that is uncomfortable. Yeah. And of course, you know, fear is going to show up and be like, but what if it doesn't work out? What if uh, you go after it and, it and it fails and people judge you? You know, that that is because you care so much. Mm. And so, you know, anytime I'm getting on stage, the whole process of writing this book, every anxiety, fear, doubt <laughs> that I didn't even know yeah. that I was going to experience all came to the surface because it was so important to yeah. me. Yeah. You were going to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Love. I can't possibly tell that story. Everyone's going to judge me. Oh, right. man. Right. If I go there, my fiance's family is going to shun me. You know, there were... <laughs> All the all the stories of what could go wrong. Your myths. You were there. Yeah. You were there in myth. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Tell me about wonderventions. Am I even saying that right? Wonder inventions. <laughs> what are these? Wonderventions. Wonderventions. Yeah, you know, I mean, we think about in the world of therapy, or, or or you know, even just family. Like, oh, let's have an intervention. Like, we need to intervene this. Which you know, I, I like the notion of that, but really how do we make it more fun and playful and how do we have a wondervention on some aspect of our life that isn't serving us and get curious and begin to pause and tune inward and see if we can think about it or approach it differently. And so, yeah, wonderventions are, are a big part of my work, encouraging us to, to pause and, and think about the situation through a new lens. Love it. And uh, I'll tell you this, the, you, you snuck up on me the way you ended this book with with wis mm -hmm. wisdom and union. Mm -hmm. Like it was a, to I was like, oh my goodness. Like she ended this book both and it's not either or. Like I just loved how you ended at wisdom. Like I didn't see mm -hmm. it coming at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just, I get to the end. I'm like, oh my, part three is wisdom. I'm like high-fiving you through the pages. <laughs> and uh, so, so walk with me um, and like, and uh, part of me like wishes I could just read the whole last few pages. I won't do that. <laughs> Y'all need to go get the book. Um, but when you when you pursue a life where you embrace wonder over wor worry uh, and move beyond your fears and doubts, and you start um, living this new life that's full of possibility, that um, uh, every day's a new day. Every day doesn't feel like a repeat of the last one. Um, I want to hear from you some of the, these pearls of wisdom the, mm -hmm. and, and the union that you've found in your life of the intersection between the inward world and the outward world um, and kind of how this has played out for you. Because I, I just love that, like, oh, man, she ended at wisdom. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, you know, even the title Choose Wonder Over Worry is a bit of a wink and there's always more to that story. And while I think choosing wonder and possibility is is such a beautiful way to approach life over the anxiety and fear of what could go wrong, 
you know, fear and worry are part of life. And I'm not trying to make any part of ourselves wrong. And so I end with the union, which is really that it's not worry versus wonder. It's not curiosity versus fear. It's not shame versus compassion. It's really allowing every single part of us to have a seat, I say, at the table of our heart. And when we do this, when we allow worry and fear to speak up and tell us, you know, why they're showing up and what it is that they want us to know. Because oftentimes some of these quote unquote negative or uncomfortable feelings have beautiful insights for us if we can pause and listen and let them be seen and heard. So it's balancing, you know, wonders, grand and glorious, curious plans with worries, concerns about, you know, some of the worst case scenarios. And it's really learning to hold space for all of these aspects of ourselves. And when we do, that's when we tap into the third W and the the third part of us, which is wisdom. And wisdom can, you know, again, see worries, anxieties, see wonders, curiosities, and understand and have space for all of them. And that's how I believe that we truly tap into the truth of who we are and, and lead a life where we're not compartmentalizing or pushing away or numbing, but rather embracing. Mm. And, you know, that's really been the journey for me. And I talk about, you know, I was sort of a positivity aholic <laughs> and um, a provaholic also, and just wanting to um, see the best in everything. But, you know, again, that those trickier and darker spaces offer a lot of wisdom and insight when we can have the courage to really turn toward them. Yeah. 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 I think, um, just in the last 12, 24 months for me to settle into wisdom being these eyes that you, uh, the, the conversations of us versus them, either or, good, bad, right or wrong, up or down, they become less and less interesting the more you enter into the depth and the width of what wisdom has to offer. Um, and wisdom, you know, like Seth Godin says, fear is something you dance with. Like, that's wisdom. Yeah. I mean, that, that they're... There enters wisdom. He's not saying you're going to remove fear, uh, but that it's actually can be a dance partner for you. Um, well, I cannot say enough good things about this. Um, I love your energy, by the way. Like, you just bring Thanks. it, and it's awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh, for maybe our listeners that want to follow you and your work and stay connected with you, where's the best place you would direct them? So I'm a big Instagram fan okay. because... I'm a writer and an artist and I get to do both. So I'm Hey Amber Ray on Instagram and Ray is spelled R-A-E. And then you can learn all about the book at choosewonder.com and then at amberray.com. That's my personal site with a ton of blogs and articles and, and other resources and magic. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, when I'm, uh, when I'm in Brooklyn someday, I'm going to look you up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we go, uh, I almost ask everyone this, but um, the journey you've had thus far um, and what wonder has taught you and swimming in the in the depth of wisdom waters, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. The advice I would give to my younger self is to really trust in the unknown and trust in not knowing. I think I, I suffered a lot clinging for answers and clarity and thinking that not knowing meant something was wrong, but rather, you know, not knowing just means I didn't know yet. 
and I was still on a path of discovery. But it's the needing to know that creates anxiety and suffering. And so to really just trust and surrender in, in the mystery of life and know that it's all leading somewhere so long as I show up every day and commit to the, to the process of the work rather than obsessing about what the end product would be. Hmm. Beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes. Stand, standing ovation for Amber Ray through the Good, True, and Beautiful podcast. Love it. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all. And I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more. Uh, And we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid listen to the bluebirds sing and be loved.